Anthony Laura. Yeah. This is Jay Michaels. If I'm on the line, you're on the air. Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> as great as can be in the fact I can't leave my apartment. How about you? I know. Uh, same. I'm actually, my sister's coming to pick me up from Connecticut tomorrow because uh, I live in an apartment by myself and I don't think I can do this for eight weeks. I completely get it. So, so I, I congratulate you. At least you're going to be with family. At least, uh, uh, at, at yeah. least the, the solitude might uh, might bring closeness and happiness within the family. Um, how's everything going with you? Uh, things are good. Yeah, things are uh, moving along with the workshops and everything. Good. Uh, are you able to do them uh, remotely? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So tell me about it. Tell me what's going on in your life. Um, so basically right now, um, we were looking to take the next step when we were still doing physical workshops um, to start bringing more people in because um, it had only been Casey and I working together at right. that point. Um, so we were going to start running scenes with other actors and things like that. And then actually literally that week... <laughs> Um, <laughs> and so we decided, um, because we were workshopping, because we were not in the midst of rehearsing for a show, um, everyone agreed that, uh, it would be beneficial to keep things going. Um, right now we're doing a lot of text work with the workshop and a lot of, uh, trial and error. So, um, the goal right now is to see when the city opens up to see if there is a possibility to do a read in early summer still. Um, if not, then we'll just go straight into the show and use that for feedback, which still am shooting for October right now, if not. Um, and, and, and may everything be fine in October. Uh, may everything be fine sooner, but uh, have you considered... Yeah, I think so. I mean... Yeah? I'm sorry. No, what were you going to say? Oh, I had just heard... <laughs> I had just heard that... Um, Roundabout had opened up uh, their spring shows, so that looks a little more prosperous than all the Broadway cancellations we've been seeing lately. Right, right. Oh, they—they they actually opened up their show. No, no, no. Oh. For for the spring. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, oh. Uh, they announced that Carolina changed. I'm uh, sorry, the fall. Not the spring. Okay, there you go. I was like, what? Roundabout is uh, opening. Wow, they're courageous. And, uh, oh, so yeah. now it's moved to the fall. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, good, good. I'm but glad to hear that. First, that was the first theater I heard that had actually committed to doing something in 2020. So, uh, it, it was rather eerie because Lincoln Center, uh, like just days before uh, we went into this form of lockdown, uh, announced their summer season. They didn't announce anything with their spring. They just announced their summer season. So there was there was something uh, uh, forebodingly uh, portentous about that. Have, yeah, have you considered uh, the online thing? I'm hearing a lot of companies talking about uh, doing doing uh, readings via Zoom and other meeting software uh, and putting yeah, them up absolutely. online. I mean, absolutely. Um, that is something that I've been thinking about in terms of, uh, I mean, right now, if we were going to do the read, it's not going to be in anything like a, a big theater venue. So even if the city opens up in June to even allow 20 to 25 people, I think um, we'll do something like that. If it does continue to stay closed 
in terms of crowds until August, then um, it would be something that we would consider doing online. Gotcha. Very good. Um, now, as an author yourself, uh, what, what does it do in your brain? I spoke to a playwright not long ago, uh, uh, and, and he said, I'm sitting and I'm watching and I'm writing the next play in my head. What's going on in, in, in your playwright head? I mean, there's a lot of ideas flowing, definitely, with um, being inside and all of that. Um, another advantage um, also has been the work-from-home scenario, um, where the 9 to 5 hours are... Uh, I'm fortunate enough to still have employment right now, but it's very, you know, it's like one hour a day just, like, checking in with things, so it does allow more time to work on some of the creative things. Um, and and then there are other projects that, you know, I wasn't going to start working on until after the play um, that now I have a little more freedom to kind of start those up um, in terms of writing. Can I ask what the survival job is? Um, so I work for... I work as an assistant to a bunch of salesmen who um, operate a handbag company. Uh-huh. So, so in, in the world of fashion, uh, now you say you check in. Are you able to work from home? Are you able to, to do whatever is needed yeah, from yeah, home? Yeah, everything is, everything is remote. Um, originally, you know, we were taking it as it goes with time off and things like that. And then um, officially, you know, we're not considered by any mean essential employees. So we don't, uh, I don't imagine we'd be going back into the office until the ban left. Um, business is still going on, which is great, uh, uh, yeah. as, as ironic as it might be. Uh, you use this word that I can't stand. It's my new four-letter word, and that's non-essential. Uh, uh, how do you feel about that word as an artist? How do you feel about that word? Well... I don't feel great about the word as an artist, but in terms of safety, um, I think there can be a better term. Um, but I do think in terms of the people who are out there on the front lines, like, I mean, I can't imagine anyone calling nurses and doctors, um, you know, anything but essential, and anyone who doesn't work in a hospital um or in terms of, you know, Con Ed and things like that, um, to be non-essential. But apparently that's how we have to divide it, because um, people are not listening, and I think people want to go back to work, too. Um, I think staying at home is is difficult. Yeah. yeah we're, we're uh, we hard-bitten New Yorkers, we're, we're like, well, we think we're in, in, invincible, so we can just go on. How do we make ourselves, right, how do we make ourselves essential? How do, how do artists make themselves essential right now? That's one of the reasons I, I, I picked up my phone and, and, and wanted to check in with, uh, with the community, uh, my, my, my little way of trying to be essential myself. How do we do it? How do, how do you think artists need to be essential right now, or essential acts, if you will? Well, I think the main thing is artistry is very essential right now. Um, in terms of, I don't think a lot of people would be able to survive the quarantine without books or streaming or anything of that sort of what's holding them through. But I think artists who are not on the bigger scale, um, who are creating themselves, um, 
I think it's about what how this particular act right now is affecting you um, and what you feel you can put out into the world. And I don't necessarily think that needs to be an act of creation even. It can just be supporting fellow artists who are having a hard time with the quarantine or um, uh, people who are dealing with their own mental health and things like that. I think that's very important right now that people seem to be neglecting. And I think uh, New York was one of the first places to open up hotlines. Uh, it's, it's, you're actually very wise. I was speaking to Valerie Hughes, who is on the front lines as uh, helping to, to find the vaccine for this. And she was saying one thing which we all need to do is stay happy, is to stay positive. Uh, right. We're, we're, our own immune systems are going to be compromised if we're depressed. So, so you're, you're right on that. It's very easy to do that, whether you are uh, predisposed to mental illness or not. Um, I, think, I think we all, at one time, um, maybe even lately, uh, <laughs> want that time to ourselves and stay home for two, three days. But, you know, I was telling my friends that they were trying to figure out why they were having an issue um, with staying at home when they normally love it. And I said, I think if when you take the choice away that you can leave the house, when you take the choice away that you have the option to go to a coffee shop and, you know, be on your computer there, right. it's, it feels more confining. And it is something um, more of a psychological thing. Um, but I also think it's important for people right now to be... Um, engage with people, not around people. But I think the fact that we have FaceTime, the fact that we have Zoom, these are things that, you know, did not exist, you know, when this, uh, when the last outbreak happened a uh, hundred years ago. They exactly. Almost, it's, it's almost, it's, it's, I think we're two years shy, we're two years more than 100 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so, so tell us about uh, tell us about your show. Tell us about the girl with the red hair. Sure. Um, so we did the play. So or, the play originated ten years ago, um, and then we brought it back in uh, July of nineteen, and then again in December of nineteen. Um, and it's a show centered around the character of Haley Jones, who's admitted into a psychiatric hospital. Um, and the doctors, uh, the other patients around her kind of, um, the people that she connects with, it's kind of, uh, sketchy sometimes where her reality is. Um, so the play really explores differential diagnoses and how they can, uh, be harmful, um, even with good intentions. Um, and how we deal with our own psychosis and how um, that kind of feeds in from childhood to adulthood. <laughs> you know, it's ironic. I, I, I mention it because I'm, I'm going to be speaking to Casey uh, probably next week, uh, and, and she's the star of your show. Uh, uh, it's, it's very funny because do you think your show is now going to be even more timely? Because the notion of altered reality, the notion of... of of being confined and everything is now so much in the, in, in our, our, I mean, our front view. It, yeah. I mean, it is interesting. Um, I do think that as well as the show 
that I wrote 10 years ago in June, well, in July of last year, I didn't make very many changes to it. I didn't change the dialogue. I had um, moved around some stuff. Um, and it was surprising how accurate it still was. There's actually a line in there, uh, because I wrote it around 10 years ago, was probably two years after Obama got elected. Uh-huh. Um, and it was dealing with shows that were very topical at that time, like Arrested Development had um, was about to enter another um, wave, and it was still very popular on demand. Um, and I think it was the very close to the time that um, Kate and William got married. And one of our characters in the play, Tabitha, um, her delusion is that Prince William will come help her. Escape. <laughs> um, so I had toyed around with the fact of, do we want to take Prince William out? Will it be as funny now as when he just married Kate? Will the Obama line still land? But also currently with current president's obsession with oh. Obama. He hasn't exactly left the zeitgeist. Oh, no. Um, and depending on how you feel, and I don't, not going to get political, I think some people also still feel we'd use Obama right now. Um, and so, like, in terms of Prince William, um, those lines still got to laugh because it was... So, another big thing that happened with the play is the character of Tabitha who's the one who has the delusions about a prince, was originally played by a 20-year-old actress 10 years ago. And I changed it in the July run to have her be over 60. Uh-huh. Um, and I was very scared. Um, I was not like, I was like, I don't know if this is just going to be too weird. Um, but it wasn't. And it was actually more endearing um, to have someone who their delusion was not not even that it wasn't based in reality that a prince was going to come get you but if you actually did know the prince, the idea that he would marry a 60, 70 year old woman um, so you hit a great irony with that because someone who's 60 uh, would remember the marriage of uh, Charles and Diana very well so, right. so the royal wedding would be stuck in her head and when she sees yet another royal wedding uh, you you, cre- you create a very you're right a, a very a very uh, 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 painful parable. So that, that's that was a really inspired choice. Yeah, I, I mean it's inter- it was interesting the way it worked out, and she is one of the characters that people remember because it is very distinct. Um, I mean, we deal with we deal with like a lot of memorable characters, to be honest. Um, just in terms of. Um, so we also had a character who was a hallucination to Haley, who was Bette Midler. <laughs> um, and what we we actually wound up changing that for this run because um, I I was starting to feel that as opposed to like the run ten years ago, we it wasn't really necessary that it was Bette Midler. It used to be, right. and now it's more of a hallucination and basically, and it doesn't really ruin anything with the show, but um, 
basically the idea is to show this active imagination that Haley has and how she's created a world to um, escape to. Um, but the message of the play more so is that the imagination can turn on you. It's not a place to live that needs to be based in reality. So that's something we've been playing with on how, because we don't want the audience to leave, but like her imaginary life was so wonderful. Why would she try to come back to reality? <laughs> and considering Bette Midler was on Broadway not long ago. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't get to see Hello, Dolly. But. Yeah, well, uh, it, it, Broadway was a bit expensive at that point. Let's Let's see what it is when it returns. Uh, but but it's it's right there in everyone's thought process, so it's really interesting you you use her. Yeah, I mean she is someone who you don't ever need to have expository dialogue. Yeah. For. You know she is uh, she's very uh, well known. She's always here, even when she's not. Um, she fits so, into so many demographics, of course. Absolutely. Um, so now we've moved away from that to actually have. So Dixie is, Dixie Carroll played Bette Midler in December, and we brought her back for the new run. And um, so we're actually creating a character that's named Dixie, around Dixie, um, to kind of be someone that Haley created. But um, we're going to play around this time with how that feels different for the audience if she's not a recognizable, like, pop figure. You, you might get the generic sort of, like I use the word parable a great deal, the, the, the icon feel as opposed to an actual celebrity. Right, exactly. Cool. And that's what I'm, I'm hoping for. Anthony, thank you so much. Uh, uh, I wish you all the best. I hope, that, uh, I hope that everything goes well for us all around the world, frankly, but, but so that your show will open uh, in, in the fall or in the summer and that we get to really be influenced, and that the message you have, which was a powerful one anyway, is now ten times more powerful, and you make even more of a statement with it. I look forward to speaking to Casey next week, uh, and I'll hear more about this show, but I wish you the best. Give him hell, and and uh, thanks so much for, for chatting with me today. Yes, thank you, Jack. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.